Hello and welcome to Timeless Files, a fan podcast for the TV show Timeless. I am your host, Chris Butler, and here we are. Season 2 is here, a full year after Timeless was last on our televisions, or laptops, or whatever people use to watch things on these days. I'm thinking that Timeless Files for Season 2 will be a more relaxed affair, with a bit more speculation about where the season might be headed. It's all theoretical at this moment, we'll see what happens. As I record this, three episodes have aired in the States, the first has just aired in the UK, and it's that first episode that's under discussion today. On with the podcast then, it's Season 2, Episode 1, The War to End All Wars. So season one almost ended on a happy note, with 150 members of Rittenhouse arrested. And then it was all turned on its head in the last minutes. Carol Preston, Lucy's mother, was revealed to be very much on board with everything Rittenhouse is doing. Emma Whitmore was shown to be a Rittenhouse sleeper agent and in possession of the mothership time machine, which means everything the time team of Lucy, Wyatt and Rufus had achieved was potentially completely undone, because Rittenhouse could mess with the past at will now, until the tide turns back in their favour. So what would happen next? This first episode starts with biplanes fighting in the sky and a caption says Sam Miel... France, September 14th, 1918. US and French forces are fighting the Germans. We see a battlefield strewn with dead and wounded. A soldier is calling out in search of a Captain Albright. The captain appears to have been knocked unconscious, but he recovers. He looks around in search of something and picks up a small wallet. From inside it, he takes out a mobile phone. Definitely not something you'd expect to see in 1918. So that phone has come from modern times, and we can suppose Captain Albright has too. So that's straight in with some mystery. From there we cut to Mason Industries. Wyatt Logan and Rufus Carlin are in the lifeboat. They're all prepped for what's supposed to be one last trip in the time machine to try to recover Lucy's sister Amy. They're dressed for the 70s. Back in episode 15, Lucy described her plan to rescue Amy and restore her to the timeline. The idea was to go to 1979. They weren't able to carry out that plan then, but they're supposed to be going now, except there's no sign of Lucy Preston. Wyatt is trying to reach her. He says he's called, he's texted, but there's no answer. We see the Preston home. The last thing we saw there was Carol Preston revealing she's part of Rittenhouse. What we see now is Lucy's phone lying on the floor, showing Wyatt's incoming call, but there's no one there to answer it. There are other scattered things on the floor, a bag, some keys, a broken wine glass. It looks very much like Lucy has been taken from the house. Back with Wyatt, he's looking out of the hatch of the lifeboat and he sees a red blinking light and he realises it's a bomb and tries to take cover in the lifeboat but then the bomb explodes, destroying the Mason Industries site. This has been the regular launch site for these time missions all through season one and fans like me would have been excited to see this set again 
and then they blow it up. It's a bold move to do away with it in the opening minutes of season two. We discover later that everyone present, including Wyatt and Rufus, are reported dead in the explosion. So the scenario that's being set up here is that Lucy's going to think that they're all dead and they know nothing about where she is. A caption comes up saying six weeks later and we see an establishing shot of what looks like a very old disused military site partially buried underground intentionally concealed it's safe to assume. We get some moody shots of the interior. The place appears deserted. It's clearly old, definitely with a military history. Wyatt is taking a shower in what looks like uh, would have been a communal sort of army barracks type of shower, but he's the only one there. Anyway, he's not dead, but his back is covered in wounds from the explosion. Uh, then he's standing in front of a mirror he punches the wall, breaking a tile, so he's clearly not very happy. The door opens and Gia walks in. She sees Wyatt, apologises for interrupting him. She asks if he's okay. He says she could have knocked before coming in. She says he could have put a chair in front of the door, like they agreed. And she backs out of the room again. Dressed again, Wyatt heads for the exit and tries to leave, but he finds that the door is locked. He seems very surprised about this, and definitely not happy. He walks away from the door, and we see the lifeboat time machine. Uh, Rufus is underneath it, carrying out some kind of repair work. Wyatt is shouting at Rufus, but he can't hear him, so Wyatt unplugs a grinder that... Uh, Rufus is using, takes it from him and storms back to the door. Rufus chases after him. He's yelling at him that that won't work, the door's too thick. Rufus says he knows why it wants to find Lucy, but going outside and getting himself killed won't help. Then the door opens and Agent Christopher's standing there. She forbids Wyatt to leave. She says she has agents looking for Lucy. They're trying everything. Wyatt says, yeah, but let me guess, they haven't found her. Christopher says they can't give Rittenhouse another opportunity to kill him. They've already lost one asset. Wyatt is annoyed that she's referred to Lucy as an asset. But Agent Christopher says the only way you're leaving this bunker is in that time machine. She asks Rufus how the repairs are coming along and he says that they're ready to carry out a test. The test looks promising at first, but after a few moments the lifeboat shudders to a halt. Rufus is heard to shout out, frigging clock blocker. Probably everyone listening to this podcast will know that fans of the show call themselves clock blockers. Especially those who campaigned hard for the show to be renewed. So it's really funny to hear Rufus shouting out clock blocker as a swear word. The only tech support that appears to be present is Gia. There's no one else there. She tells Rufus it's okay, they'll figure out what's not right and they'll try again. Rufus tells Gia she needs to rest. They don't want her to have any more seizures. But she just dismisses that, telling him he's being condescending. 
Then Connor Mason walks in and he says he knows what went wrong, but Rufus quickly dismisses what Connor says as obviously wrong. He tells Mason he's not helping and he walks away. Mason also walks off. Wyatt takes his turn to complain about him. He wonders how he ever became a billionaire when he can't do anything. He says he can't even cook. Agent Christopher says maybe he's grieving like all of them. He's lost 22 employees, his company, his fortune. Wyatt says he's not grieving because Lucy's not dead. Rittenhouse has her, and as soon as he gets out of there, he's going to find her. We cut to a news scene. We see a newspaper report on the explosion. There are statements to the press from Connor Mason, so he wasn't among those thought to have died. He's supportive of the families of those who've died, but he denies any wrongdoing. The camera pans up and we see Lucy Preston. She's dressing for 1918, by the looks of it. But what's really odd is a kind of vacant smile on her face. She has a really empty, almost Stepford kind of expression. There's the sound of a lock turning and Lucy's mother comes into the room. I'm pretty sure that means the door was locked. Carol is also dressed for World War I. She notices that Lucy hasn't eaten her breakfast. Lucy says, I don't recommend travelling on a full stomach. So they're obviously preparing for a trip in the time machine. And it might be Carol's first if she doesn't know that she's going to feel nauseous after the jump. Carol says this trip is important for both of them. Left alone again, Lucy's smile fades, replaced by an expression of worry. So that smile was there for Carol's benefit, and it's not genuine. The mothership lands in the battlefield, kicking up dirt in spectacular fashion. Four people climb out of the time machine. There's Carol and Lucy, also Emma Whitmore, and another man. Carol says that she and Lucy are here together like she always hoped. There's a very spectacular visual effect shot of the battlefield. It really is impressive. And Lucy says, let's go change history. So they're clearly here to do something specific, but we don't know what yet. They arrive at a remote farmhouse and move in. Emma is complaining that they've been there for two days and they're still waiting. Carol says the records are spotty. They don't know when he will arrive. Lucy asks who. Carol says his name is Nicholas Keynes. Emma gives Carol a filthy look, I think because she objects to Lucy being told this. Carol maybe recognises she said too much. She says that's all Lucy needs to know. Emma seems to have a very strong dislike of Lucy. She baits Lucy, saying that Carol doesn't trust her. Lucy responds by saying that Emma has lied to everyone. But Emma says she's always been loyal to Rittenhouse. She says some of us aren't royalty and she calls Lucy princess in a very snide way. She says she's had to work her way up while Lucy was busy running away from having everything handed to her. They hear someone calling out for help and outside two soldiers arrive, one of them carrying the other. 
Carol looks at the injured man and says, that's why we're here, to save his life. The credits are on screen at this point. This episode is co-written by Erica Lizanne Mittman and Tom Smuts, both regular writers for Timeless in Season 1. Erica wrote Episode 9, Stranded, and the Season 1 finale, The Red Scare. Tom Smuts wrote Episodes 2 and 10 for the first season. That was The Assassination of Abraham Lincoln and The Capture of Benedict Arnold. So it's good to have them back. Also interesting on the writing front, Kent Rotherham and Anselm Richardson are credited as story editors now. On the first series, the credit was staff writers for them. So that looks like a promotion to me, so congratulations to them. Although it probably means they're having to do more work now. Well done, guys. Also still in the credits, David Hoffman is there, credited as consultant as usual, so that's all good. The episode is directed by Greg Beeman. He previously directed two season one episodes, The Watergate Tape and Karma Chameleon. I'm sure directing an episode set in the First World War must have been quite a different directing challenge, but I think he does a terrific job here. Gia and Rufus have a breakthrough. Gia says that Rufus told her to double check the time dilation equation. When she uploaded it to the motherboard, the flight systems came online. Since we know there's something weird going on with Gia and time, I'm curious about Gia just happening to make things better. But that may or may not be something. But this breakthrough means that the lifeboat is working and they can trace the mothership in time now. Gia says it's Samuel, France, 1918. Wyatt knows his military history and he knows Samuel was a bloodbath. Gia sees that the mothership has been there for two days. Wyatt tells Rufus they're going right now. Agent Christopher wants to go with them. She says they need to stop Rittenhouse and there is no room for error. But Wyatt says the only person sitting in that third seat is Lucy. They're bringing her home. Carol and Emma are working on Nicholas Keynes. Emma appears to have some training as a nurse. She claims she picked up a few things living alone in a Missouri cabin for ten years. But that doesn't sound like the whole truth to me. The other soldier is in the way. They tell Lucy to get him out of there. So she pulls him into the next room. She asks the soldier where he's from and she tries to ask him where Nicholas is from. Obviously trying to gather information while she has the chance. But before he can answer, Emma says that Nicholas is crashing. She charges up a defibrillator to shock him. The soldier can't comprehend what this is, so he tries to interfere and get Emma to stop. Emma says she doesn't have time for this, and she shoots him in the leg. Carol looks at her and says, you're a better shot than that. Emma says, you're right, I thought Lucy should take care of this, and she hands Lucy the soldier's rifle. She says, either you're with us or you're not. 
And although we've seen Emma in a fair few episodes now, we've not seen her be as openly vicious and calculating as this before. It's clear that Lucy doesn't want to do this, but she points the rifle at the soldier. She says she's so sorry and she shoots him, killing him. Obviously it's a big shock for the fans to see Lucy do this. It's not what we expect at all. We get to hear her side of this later in the episode, but essentially the soldier was going to die whatever she did. Emma would have killed him if she hadn't. Emma goes back to Keynes and says that his body is riddled with shrapnel and she can't see what she's doing without an x-ray. Lucy is almost frozen where she's standing over the dead man, but she snaps out of it and says, what if I can get you an x-ray machine? So next we see Carol, Lucy and the other man, who is called Mac, walking amongst some troops. It's a field hospital, actually. Lucy asks Carol if she's proven herself now or if Emma's going to make her kill someone on every trip. Carol says Emma thinks that Lucy is still on the other side. Lucy says there is no other side anymore. They got rid of them all. Mac asks them about these portable x-ray machines, the Petite Curie. Lucy says it was invented by Marie Curie and explains a bit about her. He asks how they know there will be one at this field hospital. Carol and Lucy kind of roll their eyes and say, we're historians. Carol breathes in deeply and says, you can't smell history in books. Lucy says, you wouldn't want to. Lucy sees a nurse and asks if she knows how to use the x-ray machine. She says, of course she does, her mother invented it. And Lucy realises she's talking to Irene Curie. She explains that they have an injured soldier who can't be moved and asks if the x-ray machine could be taken to the soldier. Irene says, yes, of course, and she'll get her mother. Now Lucy is worried. She doesn't want Mary and Irene Curie anywhere near Emma, who has a habit of killing people. She appeals to her mother not to allow this, but Carol says that Nicholas is that important. Lucy still tries to talk Marie Curie out of it, saying surely a nurse could come. But it's quickly settled that both Marie and Irene will come with them to operate the x-ray machine. Lucy pretends to have a cough and she says she needs some water. This gives her an excuse to separate from the others. Moving swiftly, she finds a weapons tent filled with dynamite and guns and grenades. She picks up two grenades and stores them in her bag. Then she turns around to go back. Someone grabs her from behind. She tries to turn around and strike out at them and then realises she's face to face with Wyatt. She's overjoyed to see he's alive. They hug. Rufus comes into the tent. She hugs him too. Then she says they have to go. She's got to get back to her mother. She explains quickly that her mother is with Rittenhouse, which they didn't know until this moment. She says they're trying to save a soldier, which means she probably has to kill him. Rufus looks at the grenade and says, with that, 
She says, no, that was to blow up the mothership. Wyatt says, how are you going to get home? She says she wasn't because she thought that everyone but her was dead. But she says Wyatt and Rufus can take care of the mothership now. She tells them where it is. She hands back one of the grenades, but she still has one in her bag. Her mother is calling out, looking for her, so she has to go. She says she'll meet them at the mothership near the farmhouse. Wyatt is watching after Lucy as she walks away. Mac is looking back in his direction. It's not completely clear, but I think Mac sees him. Rufus says Wyatt must be happy that Lucy is still alive. Wyatt is in a daze for a moment. Then he says, sure, we need a historian. But we all know it's a bit more than that. Connor is looking at video footage of the explosion at Mason Industries. Gia comes in and asks how he is. She says he could help her get more of the systems online. He says he can't contribute anything. She says he's a great engineer, he's just rusty. Then she has another seizure and Mason says that's the second one today. But she brushes him off and says they're trying to stop the apocalypse here. She says they need to get back to the work. Madame Curie is trying to get an x-ray of Nicholas Keynes but the image is blurry. She can't understand why. The relationship between Marie and Irene is very affectionate, which contrasts with the difficult relationship between Lucy and Carol. It's deliberate in the writing, of course, to put these two contrasting mother-daughter pairs together. Lucy can certainly feel that she got a poor deal in comparison. Irene goes to check the battery powering the x-ray machine and Lucy goes with her. Wyatt and Rufus are looking for a car they can steal. Rufus is complaining that he thought he was done with all this chasing jackasses through time. But Wyatt is just happy that they found Lucy. Jumpstarting a car from 1918 proves a bigger challenge than they're used to. And then suddenly they're surrounded by men, led by Captain Albright, who we know is probably a Rittenhouse agent, but Wyatt and Rufus don't know that. He accuses them of being deserters trying to steal the car, and he puts them under arrest. Wyatt asks if that wasn't Captain Phillips' truck, and he asks them to save Private Ryan's. But Albright and the others have no sense of humour. Actually, if Albright is from the present day, then he might actually have got those jokes. But there's no sign that he does. They're led into a tent, uh, just Albright, Wyatt and Rufus. But Rufus sees that Mac is already in there. And he realises they're about to be attacked. He manages to shout out a warning to Wyatt and then they have to defend themselves as Albright and Mac try to kill them. Wyatt has to do most of the fighting, but he eventually manages to kill both men. Judging by the look on Rufus's face, Albright comes to a particularly gruesome end. After which they discover Albright's modern phone, which they definitely did not expect to see. 
Back at the farmhouse, Lucy and Irene are comparing stories about their mothers. Both very demanding women, it seems. Marie joins them, still complaining about the x-rays. Irene says the battery isn't the problem. They start to think some kind of interference might be responsible. At which point Carol, Lucy and Emma all realise the mothership is responsible. Emma grabs the x-ray and says it's good enough and they try to send the Curies away. Lucy says hopefully the x-ray machine will work normally back at the field hospital. Rufus and Wyatt are driving to the farmhouse. It seems to be night time now. Not quite sure why so much time has passed since they saw Lucy. Rufus is complaining that he has a mother and a brother who think he's dead and a girlfriend who's sick and nobody knows why. He says he'd think Wyatt would understand. He spent the last six weeks worried about the girl he loves. Wyatt appears to not have a clue what Rufus is on about. So Rufus spells it out for him. Wyatt loves Lucy. Wyatt still doesn't admit it, but he doesn't deny it either. They talk about the phone instead. You can't do anything with it in 1918. And how did Albright become a captain in World War I? It would take more than two days. If he rose up through the ranks, how long was he there? At the farmhouse, Emma says Keynes is stable. Emma and Carol step outside to discuss next steps, which leaves Lucy alone in the farmhouse with Keynes. She approaches him, picks up a pillow, and is clearly thinking about smothering him. But Carol comes back in and she knows exactly what Lucy was going to do. Carol says it must have been hard for Lucy that morning, killing the soldier to prove her loyalty. Lucy says if she hadn't, Emma would have. That's what Rittenhouse does, kill people. Carol says she's sorry about what happened at Mason Industries, the death of Lucy's friends. It wasn't her call. Lucy says she thought Carol was in charge, but Carol says there are others who have a say, powerful people. Lucy says, why did you bring me along if you don't trust me? Carol says she wanted to trust her. She wants them to be close again. But Lucy says she's lied to her her whole life. Carol says everything she has ever done has been for Lucy. But if Lucy ever tries anything like this again, she won't be able to protect her. Emma comes back inside and they tell Lucy that Nicholas is coming back with them. On the phone, Wyatt finds some scanned handwritten pages written in 1910. They describe what Rittenhouse would do with a time machine. Correct past mistakes, make history more favourable to them. Wyatt says they wouldn't have to take over the world, they'd already own it. And, just to prove that everything that can go wrong will go wrong, their car sputters to a stop because they've run out of petrol. Lucy's trying to find out why they're taking Nicholas to the present day, but they're not giving her any answers. They arrive at the mothership, but then Marie and Irene Curie are there. 
they found the source of the interference for their x-rays. It's the mothership. Emma is quite prepared to shoot them, but Lucy pleads with Carol to stop her. Emma says she doesn't want to do this, which is interesting because she's been more than willing to do everything else she's done so far in this episode. But she knows the rules. The women have seen the mothership. Marie pleads for the life of her daughter. She says her daughters are all that matters, more than her work. And finally, Carol orders Emma to put down the gun. For a moment it looks like she will, but only briefly. And Lucy has to jump in front of Marie and Irene to try to protect them. Emma says she'll kill Lucy too. She was told that if Lucy disrupted the mission, Carol wouldn't be impartial enough to make the decision. Lucy says she hasn't disrupted the mission. She's done everything she's been asked to do. But then Emma shows her the grenade, which she found in Lucy's bag. She thinks Lucy intended to blow up the mothership and all of them with it, which is exactly what Lucy did intend to do. Emma says Carol can't protect her anymore. And then we hear Wyatt saying that he can. Emma spins around. Lucy gets Marie and Irene to flee while they have a chance and they escape. Emma grabs Lucy, but Wyatt has a gun on Nicholas Keynes and threatens to kill him. Or he'll exchange him for Lucy. The look on Carol's face says they can't allow Nicholas Keynes to be killed. So Emma releases Lucy. Lucy pleads with her mother to come with her. She says she'll forgive everything if her mother will just come with her now. But Carol says this is so much bigger than you and me and she steps back. And then Emma says Lucy will never get what she really wants. Emma took a few trips in the mothership and made sure Lucy will never get her sister Amy back. And this is the thing that has been driving Lucy throughout this whole story. She tries to run at Emma but Rufus pulls her back. Emma says she only does what Carol tells her to. And anyone that's been following this story is really going to despise Emma at this point. Maybe Carol is the one really responsible, but Emma looks so pleased with herself. Wyatt, Lucy and Rufus retreat away from them. As they fall back, behind them there is a flash as the mothership jumps away. The lifeboat arrives back in the present. There's only Mason and Gia there to witness it. But they're delighted and relieved to see Lucy climb out of the time machine. A little later, Lucy's in one of the rooms. They really are very basic. Barely a step up from a prison cell. Wyatt finds her there. She's looking shell-shocked. She tells him she killed someone that morning to prove her loyalty. She says she would have done anything to destroy the mothership and stop Rittenhouse. She thought she was the only one still standing. And she keeps wondering 
If Wyatt hadn't found her, maybe she would have done it. Wyatt says no, Emma would have killed her. Lucy tries to say that her mother wouldn't have let that happen, but then she admits she's not sure about that. She says she's lost everything. Wyatt puts his arm around her and says, you haven't lost me. And it's right on the edge of turning into a kiss when Gia interrupts and says they're going to want to see this. I'm not sure Lucy wanted to see anything except Wyatt at that moment, but that's the way it goes sometimes. I think the way the scene is shot, it makes it look like Lucy definitely wants a closer relationship with Wyatt at this point. It's not so clear what he wants. Others might disagree with me on that. So they will gather and they're told that Connor has solved the quantum gravity equation. He tells them that the mothership visited ten different destinations in the previous six weeks. So what were Rittenhouse doing with those ten trips into the past? Based on everything they know now, Wyatt thinks they've been planting sleeper cells, people embedded in the past to change the course of history. Rittenhouse are playing the long game, with agents just waiting to be activated. Lucy asks, was there anything in the notes about a Nicholas Keynes? Wyatt and Rufus look surprised, and Wyatt says the Rittenhouse Manifesto was written by Nicholas Keynes. We cut to Nicholas Keynes waking up in a bed. Carol is there. She tells him that he's with Rittenhouse in 2018. She says they commissioned a time machine just as he wanted. He asks who she is and Carol says she's his granddaughter. So that makes Lucy his great-granddaughter on her mother's side. And yet again... With Rittenhouse, family history is everything. There's one last scene in this episode. Rufus, Mason and Gia are looking at the printed documents from the phone. Rufus says it mostly dissolves into ranting and they can't figure it out. Agent Christopher says there's someone who might know what the pages mean. And she goes to see Garcia Flynn in jail and says they need to talk. He looks up at her and says, not to you, I'll only talk to Lucy. And that's the end of the episode. So, Timeless is back and on cracking form right from the outset. What Rittenhouse is doing is pretty much exactly what Anthony Brawl said they would do. And I think it's really thrilling to see the show really move the story forward in a way that makes complete sense based on the story so far and really sets up a different kind of adventure for this second series. Lucy's actions are very shocking and we'll have to see where it leads. Certainly she's a mess right now and probably not in a good place to make important decisions, such as romantic ones, for example. That's all for this week. Next time I'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 2, The Darlington 500. 
All the podcasts so far are available on the site, timelessfiles.podbean.com, or in all the usual podcasting places, including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And you can find me on Twitter at, at @timelessfiles. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.